Do you know what type of doctor you want to be? With over 160 medical specialties and the rapid pace of medical school, choosing your final path in medicine can be challenging. MedicMap is here to help. Each episode features an interview with a practicing physician across a broad array of specialties and backgrounds. Tune in to discover the insights these professionals have to offer and to get all the juicy details to help you map your career in medicine. Happy listening! Welcome to MedicMap, where we dive deep into the minds of experts from various specialties in the medical field. I'm your host, Sharon Papali-Joseph, and today I'm excited to announce a very special guest, Dr. Shazma Mathani, an emergency medicine physician based in Edmonton. I came to know about Dr. Mathani while grabbing coffee with one of my colleagues, and she showed me her Instagram. And I was in absolute awe of how cool her platform was and the wonderful things that she does on a day-to-day basis. So not only is she an amazing physician, but beyond that, she's a mom and also kind of a fashion icon and a fitness enthusiast. And she uses her social media to provide thousands of followers with healthcare tips and facts, some of which include things like sleep management, sun protection, facts about common medical conditions in pediatric populations, as well as adult populations. And this is just a tiny and I mean, really tiny list of things that she's done. She's also been awarded top 40 under 40 in Edify magazine and is an advocate for change through her role in the representative forum within Alberta Medical Association. I'm so pleased to welcome her on the show and I know I will be learning a lot. Hi, Dr. Mathani. How are you? Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing well. I'm so glad you're here. And why don't we just start with just talking a little bit about what you currently do now and then maybe later in the podcast, we can get a little bit into how you balance that medical career with social media and how you leverage it so beautifully to have an impact on the larger population. So uh, could you basically give us a rundown of what you do on a day-to-day basis? For sure. So I'm an emergency doctor. I work with adults and pediatrics. So right now my time is split about two-thirds adults, one-third pediatrics. So that's kind of my clinical work. Um, In addition to being an ER doctor, I have um, a couple of other roles in, in clinical work. So I'm a STARS transport physician. So STARS is the air ambulance service that we have here in Alberta. Um, And so I take call for that. And I also do trauma team leader work and call with the Royal Alexander Hospital in Edmonton. Um, And then beyond that, kind of outside of the the clinical piece, uh, I have a few leadership roles with the Alberta Medical Association, um, with the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton. And then when I kind of think about social media, it's a lot of public education and advocacy. So it's kind of a, a two, two-pronged thing that I, that I do. And so a lot of my work on Instagram is typically public education. And a lot of the ideas that I get from that are people that I talk to and people that I see at work to just kind of try to increase the health literacy of the general population to help preserve the acute care system and to preserve our health care system. And then, of course, um, you know, being a medical person, you know that it's really important to advocate for our patients too. And a lot of the ways that I use my platform are just to make sure that there is awareness around issues that certain populations are facing and in particular vulnerable populations are facing to try to raise awareness and advocate for um, equitable health access for, for different populations. Yeah, that sounds really amazing. So Tell us why you chose emergency medicine and what was your journey kind of like in medical school? So I did medical school at Western. Uh, I did my uh, undergrad in pharmacology before that at the University of Alberta. And when I first entered medical school, I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician. And that kind of evolved um, fairly quickly over the course 
of med school. And so at Western, we have this thing called Rural Week at the end of first year. So everyone in the class gets assigned to a small rural location and we get to go and see what it's like to be a doctor there. Um, and so that was really cool because I got to, it was my first exposure of emergency medicine after first year and I really enjoyed it. And after my second year, I did uh, another rural elective essentially where I spent four weeks in Windsor, Ontario doing just emergency medicine. And it kind of really sparked my interest because it's very general. So the nice thing about Emerge is that you get to see a little bit of everything. There's a good mix of medicine and a good mix of procedures as well. And then I went through clerkship thinking, okay, I want to be an Emerge doc. And then I kind of liked everything that I did. So when I did gen surge, I'm like, I want to be a surgeon. When I did obstetrics, I thought I wanted to be an obstetrician. And that eventually led me back to ER because again, it's such a broad specialty where you do really get to see a lot of everything and get to be involved um, in a pretty diverse way. And so that's kind of how I landed on ER in the end. I really like how you sort of allowed yourself to explore the different opportunities that are out there before committing to ER. So how did you set yourself up for CARMS matching and how would you do it again if you had to do it now? I think it's tough right now because it was competitive when I was going through and it feels like it's even more competitive now. And the advice that I always give students who are coming through is to use your first and second year to really try to do as much shadowing as you can to try to um, make sure that you're having a really broad experience, trying to really keep an open mind because myself included and a lot of people in my class really thought they were going to do something and then change their minds um, in third and even like early fourth year. Um, so I think it's really important to try to get as much experience as you can in different specialties, uh, even at the pre-clerkship level, to try to get a general sense of the things that you might be interested in. You know, is it a medical specialty, is it a surgical specialty, those sorts of things. And then um, once you have a sense of that, just target your electives towards that. So yes, you have your clerkship and you might still change your mind in clerkship because it's certainly a different experience than your pre-clerkship pre, pre shadowing. Um, but as soon as you have a good sense of uh, what you might want to do, try to target your electives in that way and, and spend time across the country um, if you can and if, if you have the means to do so, because it really um, will give you a good sense of where you might be a good fit uh, and where a program might be a good fit for you too when you decide on what specialty you do want to do. Yeah, that's great advice. And I will keep that with me as I go through and exploring what it is that I want to do. With that being said, something else to consider are the pitfalls and sort of the perks associated with each field. What would you say they are in emergency medicine? You have to be okay with shift work. That is like, you will not be able to do emerge if you're not okay with shift work. I am. And one of the perks that I find is actually the shift work. So typically a full-time emerge doc uh, works between 12 and 14 shifts a month. And the reason that it's, um, I guess so few days compared to other specialties because the shift work really does wear on you. You need time to turn around between your night shifts and then flipping back to your day shifts and um, kind of having those adjustments in your circadian rhythm in order to be able to make it manageable. They're, and you're on all the time when you're in Emerge, right? It's not, um, uh, there's not really a lot of rest. You're pretty much go, go, go for 10 to 12 hours on a shift. And so that rest time is really important. And so you have to be okay with being able to adjust your life in that way. But I will say that that's both a pitfall and a perk as well, because I have um, lots of time during business and waking hours where I can uh, get other things done, like other interests of mine and, you know, social media advocacy, um, attending meetings, uh, writing, uh, 
getting just errands done, like going to the bank and going to the mall and those sorts of things. And even things like doing uh, sports and activities during the day. And so um, people who tend to work, you know, Monday to Friday, um, daytime hours, uh, it's, it restricts their schedule a bit more, I find. Um, other things to kind of be aware of, I mean, Emerge is definitely the highest burnout specialty in medicine that's been well studied and um, well documented. And so I would say that anyone that's interested in Emerge, it's important to have a really good um, resiliency and wellness network and, and plan set up. So um, making sure that you know what works for you in, in order to recover, you know what works for you in order to um, manage the moral injury that takes place, um, the difficult cases that you see, having the people that you can debrief with, having a good uh, psychologist or therapist that you can talk to as well. Um, and then knowing what you need to do to refresh. So for me, it's often physical activity. So I play tennis, I play ultimate frisbee, I run, I bike. Um, So it's important to have those things. Go for walks with friends to debrief. It's important to have those things uh, or or kind of figure out what those things are going to be for you because it is such a high burnout specialty. Um, And if you're not well set up or or have a good sense of that, it can uh, become problematic. So with such a high level of burnout and with all of the time and commitment that you're putting into this work, Do you find that your field is compensated well? And if so, how does compensation work in this particular specialty? So depending on where you are in the country, um, most emergency departments are fee for service. So what that means is there's um, a schedule of medical benefits. So in Alberta, uh, every uh, visit is associated with a certain fee. There's some time modifiers on that. And so you um, get paid for essentially what, uh, what patients you see and what procedures you do. Um, or resuscitations you do as well. Uh, I would say that I think um, given given the, the pros and the cons of Emerge, I feel like I'm fairly compensated. So depending on where you are and depending on what model you have it, um, you could make anywhere from $300,000 a year to like $600,000 a year. Like some provinces obviously are lower than others, right? And um, uh, in BC, for example, like they tend to be more salaried um, rather than fee-for-service. So it really, really depends on where you are, but you you will uh, you will not be starving. You will you will make a good living being a merge doc. And then the nice thing about emerge as well is that it's a good um, career to be able to do additional things too. So uh, doing trauma call, doing stars call. Um, a lot of colleagues that I know have also done ICU. Uh, sports medicine is another one that you can do from emerge. Uh, toxicology is another thing that you can do from emerge. And so it does also open the door to other opportunities. Addictions medicine. So lots of additional opportunities to help balance your career and kind of the advice that I have often gotten uh, in my early career from people who are kind of mid mid to late careers to make sure that you have something else in addition to emerge and whether that's something else clinical um, like sports medicine or addictions medicine or something um, you know medicine adjacent like advocacy leadership those sorts of things it's really important to have something else um, to help with uh, to mitigate burnout but also to help with career longevity. I definitely do agree that having that something else is very important. So speaking of that something else, for you, having that social media platform and stepping in that sort of advocacy role was the step that you took. What led you to making that decision? And what made you feel like this is the right move for me? This is where I can see myself doing the best and serving the population that I intend to serve. Yeah, it was kind of accidental. I, I certainly wouldn't have intended that this was going to be my path if you'd asked me even three or four years ago if this is what I thought um, my advocacy was going to look like. I would have not believed you. Um, it, it kind of started during the pandemic where 
Um, you know, I had a Twitter account, I barely used it. And when the pandemic started in, in the spring of 2020, for me, initially, I went to Twitter to consume information. So there were a lot of, uh, you know, things that we were hearing, there was so much uncertainty about this novel coronavirus. And we on the front lines, like in Emerge, had no idea what to expect. The only information we could see on the news was how bad things were in Italy and how bad things were in New York. And that was really scary going to work, um, being so uncertain and not knowing what to expect. Um, And so I initially went to Twitter to consume health information, to kind of follow different hashtags and follow my colleagues around the world who were giving us um, insight into what they were facing in the emergency departments in the ICU and um, you know, what they were doing for PPE and what they were learning about this virus. And so that's kind of how it started. And then as I became more knowledgeable about COVID and then um, things continued to progress, I took more of an advocacy and informative role uh, to the general public on Twitter. So, um, you know, talking about ways to protect yourself, talking about mitigation measures, um, making sure that um, the importance of vaccinations were emphasized and really trying to be a credible and trusted voice um, in the sea of misinformation that had started to really uh, become prevalent during the pandemic. And so my role kind of shifted not to just to consuming, but to educating and making sure that uh, I was one of the credible voices that was there to help um, people understand what was evidence-based and what was not. And so that kind of, oh, sorry. Um, So yeah, yeah, that kind of evolved over the pandemic. And then Um, As the pandemic has wound down, our emergency departments have been really busy. And so I often found myself thinking, oh, if only parents knew this or if only patients knew this, then maybe they wouldn't have to come to the ER and wait for so long. And so I kind of shifted more to Instagram and to videos of trying to kind of just inform the general population of health information in general. Um, I think the health literacy of our population is, is pretty low. And so the idea is to that I had was really to just kind of get information out there and try to keep people out of the ER to, to continue to preserve our healthcare system. I find it really fascinating how something that you didn't really have a specific intention with when you started turned to something so big and so impactful. And I'm really happy that it worked out so well for you. So with all that being said, managing social media, but also having this full-time job, being a parent, and obviously other duties that you are trying to fulfill in your life, is it hard to have that work-life balance or what is work-life balance like for you with this specialty and the, all of the things that you're currently doing? It's not easy. Um, I ha- it's, it's, you know, it's nice to have the shift work because then I have daytime hours where my house is quiet and empty to you know, think about content, to plan content, to have meetings, to kind of be invo- involved in different collaborations and different advocacy um, opportunities. Uh, but it is, is tricky to balance. I'll admit it's tricky to balance to try to make sure that I'm continuing to be a good doctor, to be a good parent, to be a good friend, a good wife, and, and still be able to do the things that I love to do. And and a lot of that includes the social media stuff that I'm doing. And so I'm still trying to figure out what that balance is. Um, but I know that I really love it. So I'm going to keep doing it for now and and continue to try to strike the right balance. Right. And because you have so much experience with using this platform for good and kind of leveraging it so well to have this greater impact, what advice would you give to medical students or medical professionals 
who are trying to have the sort of same influence on social media and trying to match their social media in a similar way. Whether that means sort of using it as a creative outlet for the things that they enjoy doing or to inform the public about the healthcare system, the intricacies and the challenges that we see on a day-to-day basis. I think there's a couple things to remember. So um, we have to remember that as soon as we enter medical school, we are seen in a different way, that we are um, given this immediate credibility where when you say like medical student after your name, where you see say doctor in front of your name once you be, become a resident, that offers immediate credibility from a public perspective. And we have to really um, use that trust carefully. Um, And so my advice would be to, it's important to advocate. It's certainly one of our roles to advocate and it's one of our roles to educate, but just be really sure about what you're putting out there. Um, It's often really enticing um, to jump onto something to, um, you know, uh, make your um, displeasure known about certain topics, especially when they're controversial topics and especially when it's something that you want to advocate for. But my advice would be to like, you don't have to respond in the moment. It's nothing is, um, nothing is something where you can't take a few minutes or even 24 hours to think about it, to think about your response, to do a review of the, of the evidence, to do a little bit of reading around whatever topic you want to post about, because, uh, once it's on the internet, it's there forever. We all know this, right? Um, so just to make sure that you're taking that trust and credibility and treating it with respect and being really careful with it, but making sure that you're using that, the voice that you have with that trust and credibility to, to do good things and to advocate for things that you believe in. Yeah, it's almost scary how credibility almost becomes like a burden in these cases where you realize that what you say can actually have an impact and you now have to deal with the consequences of that. So that's something that I'll definitely keep in mind if I ever do pursue that route. Now, switching gears back to medicine a little bit more, in one of my previous episodes of the podcast, I discussed with an interviewer the importance of being able to switch things up and kind of reinvent yourself in medicine at different points in time. Is that something that's possible within emergency medicine? And how is that a possibility? I think so. And I think that that's possible in any part of medicine. And and, and one of the important reasons that you should have things outside of your clinical medicine that are either advocacy or leadership roles or some other hobby that you enjoy enjoy doing, whether it's, you know, um, writing, for example, or um, art, because these are all things where medicine can really... um, contribute to them, right? Like I know a lot of physicians who have written books who are regular writers on um, pretty big publications like like the New York Times or the Atlantic or things like that, right? And so to make sure that um, you keep your interests broad and as you do that, it opens the door to a lot of things and it keeps your foot in the door for a lot of things as well. And it gives you the opportunity to evolve over the course of time um, and Almost you get like little like little um, branch points, right? Of like, do I want to do this leadership opportunity or do I want to be more in advocacy? And kind of as you choose and adjust, um, you'll continue to have lots of different things that you can do. Um, yeah, along the way. And I think you can do that in any part of medicine, not just emerge. So you've given us some great advice already. But one last question for you is, what is the best advice you could give to medical students and future medical professionals whether it's about emergency medicine or whether it's about medicine in general. Just to be open-minded. And I, and I say that really broadly, um, be open-minded to the opportunities that you have, um, be open-minded to the people around you. Um, 
and stay curious. And like, I mean, I think a good example of that is even in situations where we're looking at um, the misinformation that's out there and other uh, providers and people that are there. I mean, doctors can be wrong too. And it's important to just be curious, be, be vulnerable and be open-minded about things um, because that's going to be important when you're practicing clinical medicine um, to not anchor yourself to things and to make sure that you're always doing the best thing for your patients and not being stubborn. But that's going to be important outside of medicine too when you're interacting with other colleagues and other healthcare workers and the general public. Okay, perfect. Great advice. And thank you so much for being on the show. It was a great pleasure chatting with you. And I will make sure to list your Instagram as well as your other socials on my uh, bio for this podcast as well, just so our viewers have a chance to kind of get to know you and see you on the platforms. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. And that wraps up our episode of emergency medicine here at MedicMap. Thank you again for tuning in to this episode and for supporting our podcast. Please check out Dr. Mathani's Instagram below. It's linked for you guys to check out. If you have any questions, she's really awesome and she's very quick to respond. So I hope you enjoy this episode and tune in next time for our next episode on pediatrics. Thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of the day. Bye.